If you'll stand with me for the reading of the word today, I won't keep you long. I know that you have appointments. Hopefully you made reservations already. Clark promised I could have the pulpit to hide behind, but when you get this size, you can't hide behind hardly anything, so it's not going to matter. Amen. We're uh, going to the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah, chapter number 9, and verse number 12 for just one scripture. This is going to be in the uh, Amplified Version, and it says this, Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity. You prisoners of hope, even today do I declare that I will restore double. Everybody say double. Your former prosperity to you. Amen. Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity, you prisoners of hope. And so I'd like to preach for a few minutes today on prisoners of hope. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Greet somebody. Greet a couple people around you, behind you. Say, hey, surprised to see you here. Amen. Amen. Hi, Sister Dottie. Amen. Prisoners of hope. We got hope up here. Amber did all this in yarn. Isn't that awesome? That's right. That's a, and they got the tomb here, and we got the lightning bolts coming out of the tomb, and then right here is probably where the angel's sitting. Say, hey, where you all been? Where you all been? Prisoners of hope today. Hope. I, I didn't put the definition of hope down here, but, uh, hope is an expectation. Looking forward to something. You know, I hope that I, we get a lot of money back on our income tax return. A refund. Some of us are just praying, I hope that I don't have to pay any taxes. Right? Some of us are praying, I hope we can find a place to go eat that's not crowded today. And the greatest of hope of all right now is I hope pastor doesn't preach very long. Amen. So, you're prisoners of hope today. You're stuck here in hope. All right. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 says, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. Wow. Who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. That's a pretty sad world to be in. A world without God and without hope. I couldn't imagine. You know, we all go through storms and we all have troubles and there's been the folks that are in this room today that you've been through major storms, hurricanes, category five hurricanes, E5 or whatever the tornado, the most vicious tornado was rated. I mean, some of you have been through and been to hell and back And so I cannot imagine going through a storm of that category and of that cataclysmic, how do you like that word, proportion, without God, without hope. I couldn't imagine it. My life has been full of God since I was 15 years old. Ginger can attest. 
she knew me before I was 15 and I probably had some God. It was okay. It just didn't come out a lot, you know. But we were all like that. We were all kind of mean and nasty before the Lord, B.C., before Christ. But to live a life without God at all, to live a life without without any hope, that's why there's people that are strung out on alcohol and drugs and and go from one busted relationship to another busted relationship because their hearts are empty. There is no hope. The Bible says a man that has this hope purifies himself, makes himself ready. And so Paul is telling the Ephesians here, he said, you were, you were, you were dogs, you were Gentiles, you were godless, you were hopeless. But because we sit here today in the, in basking in the presence of a resurrection, we have hope today. We have hope that, you know, some things are going to uh, work out and everything's going to be all right. Jesus came to bring us hope in our lives. He, he was God manifest in the flesh. He was the very God of glory. Amen. He, the very eternal spirit of God that hovered over the waters in Genesis 1-2 is the same spirit that hovered over Mary in Matthew 1. Hallelujah. The same spirit that, that, that talked to, to Moses out of the burning bush was the same spirit that, that dwelled in the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. So he, Jesus came to bring us hope in Luke chapter 13. Is a very interesting scripture passage here. And at that very same, or at that very hour, some Pharisees came up and said to him, Go away from here, for Herod is determined to kill you. So the Pharisees, the religious people, are telling Jesus, You need to just get out of here because Herod wants to kill you. This is one time when the religious people are, are they really concerned about Jesus' safety? Because most of the time, these are the guys that want to kill him. Isn't it amazing a lot of times it's, it's church people and religious people that want to bring hurt into your life? It's those people who take the, kind of tend to take the knife and just put it in your back and then they twist it. Oh, sometimes they twist it fast, sometimes they twist it slow. But Jesus responds to them, he said, and he said to them, go and tell that fox. They're saying, King Herod is wanting to kill you, you need to get out of here. And Jesus says, you go tell that fox, sly and crafty, skulking and cowardly, behold, I drive out. Now, what's what Jesus says? I drive out demons and perform healings today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish, I complete my course. Jesus, there was a boldness that came upon Jesus and he said, you go tell that fox. The King James says, today I, I'm casting out devils, and today I do miracles, and tomorrow I will be perfect, and the third day I will be perfected. You see, the enemy is trying to dash any hope that you have in your life. He wants you to think that there's no hope for you, and there's no hope for your life, that you're going to live life all alone, you're going to live life sad, and, and all of this business, but... The Lord came to do some things in our lives. He came to set up the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Anybody ever read in the King James, it says, uh, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The only place that phrase is ever found is in the book of Matthew. It's not found in any of the other gospels. It's not found in the book of Acts. It's only found in the book of Matthew. And Matthew, for some reason, was was really uh, emphasizing the kingdom of heaven. 
And that kingdom of heaven basically was, I am going to bring the kingdom of heaven to you that where God dwells, you can dwell also. I want to dwell where God dwells today. I want to be in his presence today. I don't ever want to leave the presence of the Lord. Amen. I, and you know, you can be in his presence here today and you can be in his presence tonight when you go to bed. And you can sleep in his presence and you can wake up in his presence and you can go to work in his presence. And you can, I know it's hard to believe, but you can even go to Walmart in his presence. Some of you ladies go to Ross and you think that you're in his presence. It doesn't, I tell you what, we go on a trip somewhere, Brandon, we go on a trip somewhere. The first thing they look for is Ross. I'm looking for somewhere to eat. They want Ross. Then they tell me, you know, Ross has a 30-day return policy. If you don't like it within 30 days, you can return it. Apparently, some of you have discovered that. But I said, you know, I have never seen that policy enacted in my entire house ever. Because once it gets in the house, it just never leaves. It just never leaves. But you can go to Ross and the kingdom of heaven is there. God wants to be a personal God to each and every one of us. He wants to be a personal God and walk in relationship with us. Amen. Like a father to a child, like a bride and a groom, like a marriage situation, like, uh, you know, he wants to be there forever. So he said, the first thing he said was, behold, I drive out demons. Now, there are all kinds of scriptures that talk about casting out demons. And I love it when, when people come to church and, and, and suddenly there's a demon that shows up in church. And I'm not talking about, you know, your neighbor. I'm talking about actually somebody that may have a demon in them. And people get all crazy because it's like, that shouldn't happen in church. Church is supposed to be a quiet and nice place. But if you look in the scriptures, there were demons that showed up in the synagogues. There were demons that showed up at church. Amen. And it's very dangerous. That has to be a very, very crazy lunatic demon or, or a very bold demon that thinks he's going to survive going to church. Because demons don't survive in church very often. Because the Lord is there and the power of the Lord is going to get a hold of him. He says, so I cast out these demons. Mark chapter number 9, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Now look what this demon does. This demon, this demon throws this boy down. This demon causes him to foam at the mouth. This demon causes him to grind his teeth and become rigid. That's not a very pretty sight. Hopelessness is not a very pretty sight. Hopelessness and loneliness is not a very good place to be. You see, this man's looking for hope today. And he he replied, Jesus said, how long has he been like this? He said, since a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire and into the water, tries to kill him. He said, have mercy on us and help us if you can. I'm in a hopeless situation here, Jesus. I have done everything. I've tried, you know, the snake oil guys. I have tried all of these other things and and nothing has, has helped my baby boy here. And he said... If you can help us if you can. Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? 
Anything is possible if a person believes. That's why we're here today, because we believe that there's hope. We believe that there's somewhere, some way, somehow it's all going to work out. We believe that it's somehow God is going to take care of every situation. Are there times when we doubt God? Yeah, there's times when we doubt God. Are there times that we wonder how in the world is this ever going to happen? How is all that going to take place? I'm sure Mary, you know, when she's there and she's just a teenage girl and the angel comes to her and says, Mary, blessed is the fruit of your womb. You're going to have the Messiah. I'm sure she's scratching her head. I'm sure she's saying, how is this ever going to be? And she says that vocally. She says, how, how's this thing going to be? What's going to happen here? What's going to take place? And some of you are at that point in your life and in a situation and, and it's hopeless. And you're, you're like, uh, you know, if anything is possible, if we can believe. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. You see, church isn't always going to be like we think it's going to be. And what, what, what journey you're on right now and the thing that you need done in your life or that situation that you're facing may not work out the way that you pictured it to work out. It may not really come to pass like you thought it was going to come to pass. But you know, our ways are not God's ways. And our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Some of you, you know, uh, I'm, I'm talking to members here today. Some of you are sitting in here, and I've said this before, and you never dreamed you'd be in a church like this. calling on my great-grandfather, Sam Hill. You say, what the Sam Hill am I doing in here? What am I doing amongst these people? But it was that hopelessness that drove you. It was that hunger that drove you. And I'm telling you, if you just open up to what God has for you, it may not uh, work out the way you think it's going to work out. It may not come together like you think it's going to come together, but God is in control. Amen? I said, God is in control. Touch your neighbor and tell him, God is in control. Hallelujah. So this, this demon throws the boy down, has another convulsion. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. So Jesus says, I've come to cast out devils. I've come to take care of situations that are broken by the enemy. I've come to take care of situations that are hopeless. You see what that man was? He was a prisoner of hope. That man hoped every morning that somehow he would be able to find a cure for his son. That somehow in the, in, the, in his life journey that he would be able to take care of his babies. And I don't care if your babies are 3 or 30, you always want to take care of them. If you're not there yet, you will be one day. Now, they're a lot easier at 3. Oh, they are a lot easier at 3. They listen to you at 3. If they don't listen to you, then you... Get the rod of correction. Amen. So eat your supper. We're going to do, do your homework. If you have homework, and we're going to bed. Now, if your kid is three and he's doing homework, you have a genius on your hands. Amen. Are you seeing what I'm saying? But the older they get, the harder they get, and the heavier they get on your heart. And, you know, they go through things, and you wish you could take the pain for them. Why? We're prisoners of hope. We're always hoping. We're always looking to God. You're going to come through. 
And, you know, if, 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 you, if you do come through, Lord, that's good, that's awesome, and I'm thankful. But if you don't come through, I'm still going to follow you. If you don't come through, I'm still going to walk with you. Because, Lord, my relationship with you is very, very important. I've got to stay right beside you as close as I can. And so Jesus says, I'm coming to break demonic strongholds. I'm coming to break addictions. I'm coming to break lies in your life. I'm coming to break strongholds in people's lives that the enemy has put there from from a child. You know, that stronghold and those strongholds that you face in your life, they're put there because the enemy wants to always influence your life. And he always wants to make your life not quite what it, God wants it to be, but maybe you get a little bit of that. No, Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen. He said, he whom the Son has set free is what? Free indeed. Hallelujah. And so I'm talking today about hope. With that resurrection in that garden that day, there was a hope that was birthed. There was a hope that came upon the scene of the earth that said nothing is impossible. You see, we can have a disease and we can take medicine. We can go to the doctor. We can have surgery and it can be fixed. But let me tell you something. When you're dead, you're dead. When you're dead, you're dead. But when you can raise yourself up from the dead, that's quite a feat there. That says that nothing is impossible. Amen. And he said, I, I came to also perform healings today and tomorrow. Jesus is sending a message from through the Pharisees and Sadducees, and Sadducees back to Herod. And said, I'm going to bust up strongholds. I'm going to destroy hopelessness. And the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start healing some people. And I'm going to perform them. Amen. John chapter 5. There was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, the blind, the halt, the withered, waiting for the moving of the water. At this pool, one time a year, there would be an angel that would come and stir the waters. There's one of those angels sitting around. I'm going to preach that message, Ginger. There you go. I'm not going to give you a title. I'm just going to keep it to myself. Angels. Yeah. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Thirty-eight years. Now, I don't know who's thirty-eight in here, but we who are not thirty-eight now would like to be thirty-eight again. All right? Can I get an amen from the senior choir? You who are 38 are embarrassed to tell us that you're 38. But oh, how we don't want to tell how many years we have and how many candles on the cake we have. Some of us have candles on the cake that they all just melt together in just one huge flame. And you've seen the video where they get the fire extinguisher out, and there went the cake. This guy had been there 38 years. He had dealt with this infirmity. And his friends, whoever it was, would take him to the pool. He's laying there at the pool of Bethesda and waiting on the troubling of the waters. And Jesus is going to show up. 
He see, and Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now been a long time in that case. He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? You know what Jesus was asking him? Do you have any hope? Do you have any hope? Will you be made whole? Now, let me give you a little uh, little lesson here on the side. This is just, a you know, coming off the freeway, stopping and getting you something to drink for your journey. You know, if you're in Vandalia, Illinois, you're going to stop and get you a soda. I never heard the word soda until I moved here. I never knew what a soda was. They asked me if I wanted a soda. Justin, it was your mom. Your mom said, Tracy, you want a soda. I, I, I'm... Where I'm from, a soda was a club soda and tonic water or something else. And I, I didn't want that. I said, no, I don't want a soda. She says, okay. And then she opens up the refrigerator door and starts sliding Cokes and Dr. Peppers and Pepsis. And, and I'm like, well, that's a pop. Or if you're from Houston, that's a Coke. You know, Houston, they say you want a Coke. Yeah, I want a Coke. What kind do you want? But a sodi, we never heard about a sodi. I'm going to give you a little sodi stop here. Guess what? When the waters are troubling, when the waters are troubled and moving, that's when the healings take place. When you're in a church service and you need something from God, when the when the troubling, when the when the spirit starts to move, that's when you go get your answer. Don't wait until at the end of service when everything's died down and they're going to say the last amen and walk out the door and head to Denny's for some real good health food. You know, that, that say, I, I need you to pray for me, Pastor, because I need a touch right now. No, no, no. You should have came when the water got troubled. Amen? So I'm just telling you this, that in your journey with the Lord, when the Lord's moving on you in an intense way, that's when you go get your answer. Amen? All right, be a prisoner of hope. The impotent man answered and said, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked on the same day that was the Sabbath. Which caused another issue that we're not even going to get into today with the religious people. But we do know this, God can heal you on the Sabbath, or God can heal you on Friday. Or God can heal you on Thursday. God can heal you in church or God can heal you at home. Amen. Come on now, somebody. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He can just have his way in my life. Anybody else feel like that? Lord, you can just have your way in my life. You can do whatever you want to, how you want to do it. It don't even have to make sense to me, Lord. Just do it. Just do it. Prisoners of hope. Anybody a prisoner of hope in here today? And he said, on the third day, I'll finish. I'll finish, I'll complete my course. What was he talking about? John chapter 2, verse 19. Jesus answered and said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said he, the Jews, 40 and 6 years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But this, But he spake of the temple of his body. You see, we've got to get our eyes off of the natural and get our eyes on the supernatural. You've got to get your eyes off of what man thinks and how we think as humans, and you've got to start thinking like the Lord thinks, and you've got to start declaring like the Lord declares. You've got to start walking the way the Lord wants you to walk. Amen? Hallelujah. He said, my ways again are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Mark eight thirty one. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, 
the leading priest and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. The whole purpose of Jesus coming to earth was to die on the cross. The cross is in the middle of your Bible. Everything in the Old Testament points forward to the cross. Everything in the New Testament points back to the cross. The cross is the focal point of everything right there. The eternal God of heaven robed himself in a body and put himself on the cross. Amen. The Bible says he told, he told his disciples when they arrested him in the garden, they, they came to him with swords and spears and staves. And he, and he said to them, why, why are you coming like that to, to arrest me? I stood in your temple and synagogues and I've taught and you never had to do this before. And, but he said this, don't you know, don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels? That's a lot of angels. If you have an amplified, you'll know what that is. Because in the amplified, it puts a number on it. That's about 80,000 angels. He said, I could call 80,000 angels right now. But you know, he he was submitted to the cause. He was willing to go all the way to the end. Amen. He was... Because there were prisoners of hope waiting for him. We were waiting for him. 2,000 years later, we're waiting for him. We're waiting for him to work in our family. We're waiting for him to work in our health. We're waiting for him to work in our minds. Some of our minds are tortured with, with all kinds of torturous, nasty thinking. And there's, and there's nothing that we can do to get out of it. And it seems like everything we've tried, you know, we tried this pill and we tried that pill and we tried all of this. And sometimes we just need to say, Lord, I just need your touch in my life. I just need you to touch me. Now I'm not against taking pills. Okay. I broke my elbow back in October and I had to take pills. Amen. Took me a while to take pills. They gave me a shot that night when I broke my elbow and said, oh, you're going to be feeling this in about 30 minutes. 40 minutes, the doctor walked in. He said, how do you feel? I said, the same as I did 40 minutes ago. I said, we just might as well go home. What we need, we need some hope in our lives. We need some hope in our lives. You can live a full life. You can live a happy life. You can live a life that's clean. You can live a life that's free. You can be free in your mind. Amen. You can be free in your mind, in your heart. You can be free. Amen. Hallelujah. This is how it feels to be free, man. You're just walking in the glory of God and in the power of God. Johnny, you don't have to serve Buddha anymore. You don't have to bring any sacrifices or any kind of fruit and vegetables over to the monks. No. No, no more. No ancestor worship. None of that business. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the gospel is cross-cultural. It'll work in America, and it'll work in Laos, and it'll work in Cambodia, and it'll work in Russia, and it'll work in the Ukraine. It'll work in Europe. It'll work in South America. And guess what? The gospel, the power of the gospel will work in each and every one of our lives if we'll let it. Amen. All right. I'm getting ready to close. Ready to go. I'm going to fly. Somebody say, well, you know what? I I don't deserve this. I'm no good. I'm not worthy. I can't do it. I can't be like the disciples. I can't be like the the Old Testament guys who live for the Lord. I can't be... I can't be like David. 
I can't be like Solomon. I can't be like Peter. I can't be like Noah. I can't be like any of those guys. I'm just me. I'm down here in Fayette County, Illinois. Macy, you know, she she's in Bible college in Texas. And for some reasons, for some reasons, for some reason, everybody thinks that Illinois down there is pronounced Illinois. And she always says the S is silent. It's silent. I'm just stuck here in Illinois in a little small town. Oh, I wished I could have a suburb. Oh, I wished I could have restaurants and shops five minutes away. Yeah, but you got to lock your car doors when you go to get your gas. You got to lock your house when you leave. I mean, some of you probably already practiced that. Some of us have not done that for years. You know, you can actually leave your car run outside a restaurant in Vandalia, Illinois, and you got about a 98%, 99% chance that it'll be there when you get done eating. Grandpa Worley used to do it all the time. Oh, I wished I had a big city. Then you have big city sin. Oh, I wish we can, we can make a lot more money. It's not all about making a lot more money. Because your money's going to die and perish. Your money's not going to be any good. One of these days, all the money in the world ain't going to be any good. You're going to have to have a mark. Amen. But I'm stuck here, Lord. What do you got me stuck here in central Illinois? Why am I here in Illinois? What in the world is going on? I'm, I'm not in a city where you can call me. I'm not where I can go get, go to a mega church and, and go see a multi-million dollar ministry and, and have all that business. But God says, you know what? I've got a different plans for you. First of all, we all need to stop looking at ourselves the way we look at ourselves. everybody one more time. You've got to stop looking at yourself like you look at yourself. Because really when you're all alone by yourself and you're looking in the mirror you're not thinking really nice thoughts about yourself. Well I'm not pretty like so and so. I don't have the money and the influence like so and so. I mean you know, I got to feel good about myself because I, I went on a trip with Alex and Norris and Johnny Ty. I was like the snowman and there were the branches. I said, look at you bunch of sticks, you bunch of, you bunch of skinnies. Poor Brandon, pray for Brandon. He needs to lose 30 pounds. I just feel so sorry for him. God, I feel so sorry for Brandon. I'm not skinny like Alex or Johnny or Brandon. Amen. I can't grow a beard like Nathan. I don't have a sense of humor like Kevin. Kevin can say stuff and it just is funny. just comes out of his mouth. You know what I'm talking about. We compare ourselves. And we think that if I was just like Remington. You know, Remington looked like he was 12 in his kindergarten picture. When they said to the class, line up for a class picture, he immediately went to the back in the center. 
The kid has been big all of his life. But we look at ourselves and we discount ourselves. When God has made us exactly the way we are. When God has given us the temperament and the personality that he wanted us to have. Uh huh. When God has equipped us because he already had everything planned out in our lives before we even took our first breath. He already had everything planned out, what he wanted us to do on this journey on the earth all these years. He already had planned out who he would equip us to touch and who he would equip us to talk to and who he would equip us to influence and who would influence us. And he says, I don't want you looking at somebody else. I don't want you to compare. I don't even want you to make up any excuses. I just want you to be available. I just want you to be ready. I just want you to be open to what I have for you. So, prisoners of hope today, let me say this. I just want you to open up that hopelessness in your life and say, Lord, I know you can fill it today. I'm going to show you a few guys that the Lord used. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Abraham was old and God still used him. In fact, God used him to the point that kingdoms and kings came out of his lineage. He was a man that had no heir. He was a man that had no child, no son. And God said, I am going to make you the father of many nations. And now today, Probably, probably nearly half of the wealth in the world lays with the descendants of Abraham. He said, you, your seed will be as the sands of the sea and the stars of the heavens. But Abraham was old, but God still used him. Noah, I don't know if you know this or not, but Noah had a little drinking problem. Noah got drunk. Had a little family situation there. David had an affair. Jonah ran away from God. (laughs) Gideon was insecure. Moses stuttered. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was depressed. Come on now. I'm talking to all you that live in depression. God wants to resurrect you out of that depression. God wants to get you out of that sadness. God wants to get you in the hallelujah land. God wants to get you in his presence. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. God wants to get you in his presence. Hallelujah. Elijah saw fire fall from heaven and consume a sacrifice and the rocks of the that the, were make, that made up the altar and it licked up the water that was laying in the, in the trough around the bottom of the altar. That fire from God, he said a 59 word prayer and fire fell from heaven and this guy the next day is depressed and wants to die and says I'm the only one. Some of you have said that, Lord I'm the only one. Ain't nobody else want to do this. Nobody else wants to live for you. Why should I? I just can't do this, Lord. Jacob, he was a cheater. If your name's Jacob, that's just what it is. I'm sorry. But you, you can change. Jacob was a cheater. Martha, 
She was a nervous wreck. She's like my mom. My mom would stay up half the night cleaning her house. You could eat off her floors if you wanted to. You didn't have to have a five-second rule at Wanda's house. You could do ten minutes, and it's still going to be good. But you see, God uses nervous wrecks. Because it was Martha that said, Lord, we know our brother Lazarus will live again in the resurrection. And Jesus said, you're talking to the resurrection. You're talking to the hope. Prisoners of hope. Amen. Miriam, Moses' sister, she was a gospeler. She caused some problems in the camp, but God still used her. She was, what, in fact, praise and worship leader. Come on out here, singers. Come on out here. Come on out here and look good. Miriam was the praise and worship leader when the Egyptian soldiers' bodies started rolling up on the shores of the Red Sea after God had drowned the horses and the horsemen of Egypt. She was the praise and worship leader. Paul wrote over half the New Testament. He was a murderer. He was guilty of throwing Christians in jail. But King James also uses the word slaughter of Christians. He was a murderer. Wrote over half the New Testament. When they got ready to kill him, history says that he broke away from the guards and ran and laid his head on the block. And he said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I don't know if you've ever been a murderer or not. But if you haven't, you got a chance to win a right half the New Testament. You got a chance to establish churches all over Asia Minor. Amen. Thomas, Thomas was a doubter. He never thought it could happen. He never believed it could happen. Except I see him. Except I can touch him. Except I can put my fingers in the wounds in his hands and his side. And Jesus walks through the wall and says, hello, Thomas. Here I am. Zacchaeus, he was short. He always had to bother somebody to, can you reach the top shelf for me and get that boy out? Zacchaeus, though, had a hunger that he had to see the master. So he made the sycamore tree very famous. And he climbed up in it. And the Lord said, Zacchaeus, come on down, buddy, because I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. And we're going to talk. Lazarus, Lazarus was really no good. He was dead. You talk about hopeless. He had been dead three days. Actually, four days. And the Jews believed that on the third day, the angel of putrefaction would come and would touch the body, and then the body would be to this, the part, part of deep deposing and decom, uh, whatever it's decomposition, yeah. That a resurrection would be totally impossible. But when that resurrection voice yelled at Lazarus, come forth, here he came. So you could be dead and God still has hope for you. You can be dead and there's still a chance, amen? As long as you got breath in your body, there's still a chance, amen? As long as you got breath in your body, there's still a chance. 
Take a couple people around you and say, just keep breathing. Just keep breathing. Let's all stand. This is the last one here. Peter had a temper. Peter was a hothead. If you've been with us watching The Chosen the last few months, Peter, he was a fighter. He was scrappy. He was a fisherman. He had all of that going for him. And he had a temper. But he's the one that the Lord chose to preach that first message. He's the one the Lord chose to give the keys to, to give the gospel to the Jews, the Samaritans, and the Gentiles. He had the keys. I want to pull this scripture out from old Peter here. Mark chapter 16. And going into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting there on the right side, clothed in a long, stately, sweeping robe of white. And they were utterly amazed and struck with terror. And he said to them, Do not be amazed and terrified. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But now watch this next line, what the angel says. But be going. Tell the disciples and Peter. The guy that got so mad. Now, Addie, if we were going to do an Easter drama, okay, I would put you as the damsel at the fire deal, the fire barrel, who was always prosecuting Peter right there. saying, I know that you're one of them. I saw you with him. In fact, I can I can hear that Galilean accent that you got. And you would make Peter so mad, okay, that he would cuss. You never made anybody that mad, have you? Okay. Listen, the guy that betrayed the Lord or denied him. The guy that denied the Lord. The guy that said, I don't know. The guy that said, I don't know what you're talking about. The guy that had a hot temper. The guy that whipped out the sword and took off the high priest's servant's ear. And that ear is laying on the ground. Can you see it? Wham! La 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 You know, they kind of jerk and movement. There's still nerves in there. Aren't there, Nathan? There's still nerves in there? Sure there is. All right, I'm going to the next nurse. Michelle, are there nerves in that ear still? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, yeah. How many of you ever killed a snake? You know, you got his head cut off, he's still dancing. There's that ear. Blah, 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 blah. Jesus reaches down. Puts the ear back on. Says Peter, those that live by the sword die by the sword. The same guy that did all that had all that. Denied the Lord multiple times. Cussed. Cut off a priest, high priest servant's ear. Did all of that business. And then felt so bad, went out and wept bitterly, the Bible says, and repented. The angel said, I want you to go tell the disciples and Peter. You don't think the Lord said, make sure you tell 
them at the tomb. I need to talk to Peter. Because he knew that Peter was down. He knew that Peter was low. He knew how Peter's personality and temperament was. He said, make sure you tell Peter, I'm coming to Galilee to see you. I'm coming to see you. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And you and I are called today. You're here today because you want to be here. You're here today because you felt the Lord leading you here. You're here today because there's something deep inside. What's the Lord doing? He's qualifying the call because we're all just prisoners of hope. We're all just prisoners of hope today. Once you close your eyes as we sing this song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to let the Lord talk to your heart. I want you to let the Lord just continue to whisper in your ears. Days may be darkest, but your light is greater. You light away, God, you light away. When evil is rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save. You.